Hi, I'm Paul Hours, the Media Relations Director for the Florida Atlantic University College of Business, and this is the Home Pricing Trends Podcast featuring Ken H. Johnson. He is a real estate economist and associate dean in FAU's College of Business. He analyzes the rental and for sale housing markets in South Florida and across the nation. Our discussion today focuses on home price increases across the Sunshine State. For more information about his real estate research, visit business.fau.edu slash buy versus rent. That's business.fau.edu slash B-U-Y-V-S-R-E-N-T. Ken, thanks for joining us. Why are Florida homes so overpriced these days? Sure. So there's three primary drivers to our recent upsurge in pricing. And in no certain order of importance, home home pricing, that is, in no certain order of importance, the three are, there's an increasing, rapid increase in our population. Uh, in Florida as a whole, we're expecting about 15% influx in population in the next 10 years. That's another 3 million plus people. And Southeast Florida, that's Miami-Dade, Broward, Palm Beach counties. And there, we're expecting roughly a 14% increase, which is roughly another 800,000 people. So all that together, we just have a huge number of people moving into the state. Number two are these incredibly low interest rates, our mortgage rates. Mortgage rates right now are slightly off their record, record lows, but they're still in territory that few have ever seen. So affording a home in terms of a monthly payment is far easier today, all else being equal than ever before. So we got one, we got a lot of people moving in. Two, we have really low interest rates, near record low interest rates. And then three, and most importantly, I do believe, I can't necessarily rank order one and two, but I can tell you the biggest of those three drivers, I believe, is our inventory shortage. The inventory shortage around the country, in Florida included, has been 15 plus years in the making. That's the housing inventory shortage. It's not going to be made up in the next few months, next few years. It was, again, a decade and a half in the making, and it's going to take a long time to overcome this shortage. So with that shortage, that, that, that supply constraint, you have more people bidding over fewer properties, which tends to drive prices up. So those are the three main drivers that have come together to see this recent increase in pricing in Southeast Florida and Florida as a whole, by the way. Is there a danger that prices soon could fall? So the question is, can, can prices fall? Yes, they can. But I think the likelihood is, is pretty small. And I'll try to draw some comparison, uh, comparisons between our recent past and, and current housing prices. In actuality, we've seen four real estate cycles since 1977. So in reality, we've seen four peaks, four bubbles. But we only know about the last one, right? At 2005 and six, there was a huge bubble and then crash. That's when the word bubble entered our lexicon around 2006. We actually had price peaks in 1980, 1983, 1989. The peaks weren't very tremendous. They were slightly above, prices were slightly above where they should be. The last time around, prices got tremendously above where they should be. And we can measure that. And we've been working on that lately. So back at the peak of the last housing cycle that we said was the bubble, right? Prices around the state of Florida peaked at roughly 60% statewide above where they should be. So you could think of that as a 60% premium. Now, that varied around the state. Tallahassee peaked at about 30% above where it should be. 
uh, Jacksonville, roughly 40, 45%. Southeast Florida, Tampa, Orlando, all came in right around 60% above where they should be. Now, think of that and compare it today when we see prices rising again. And we know and we hear that prices are higher than they ever have been before. Yes, but we're many years down the road. And yes, we are above where we should be. But that varies, again, around the state. But the numbers come in much lower. For example, currently in in Southeast Florida, we're roughly 14.88. So let's call it 15% above where we should be. The alarming part about that is just a month ago, it was only 13%. So but 14 roughish percent compared to 65% tells you that Miami, if you will, Miami Metro, is nowhere near overpriced or paying near the premium today that they were 15 years ago. So could prices fall? Yes, because the further we get above where we should be, because we can estimate given 20-something years, 26 years plus or minus uh, of housing transaction data, we can estimate where prices should be, then we can compare them to where they are, And we can say, on average, homes are selling at, above, or below. And right now, they're above. So they're pricing in at a premium. And that's roughly 15% compared to 65% years ago, 15 years ago in Miami. If we go around the state today in Tampa, which is the most overheated market of five that we looked at, Tampa's about 28.5%. They're paying a premium of about 28.5% above what they should be paying based on past pricing, a history of pricing, I should say. Uh, a month ago, that was around 26%. Uh, if we look at Tallahassee, it's at roughly 13%. A month ago, that was 10.5%. And they peaked at roughly 30% premium uh, this these 15 years ago. And that story goes all around the state with Jacksonville coming in at about 20.5% above where it should be. Orlando right at 20%. And I think I've covered the major metros there. So we're all above where we should be. But nowhere near as above as where we were a, a decade and a half ago. That's the good news. The bad news is we're way above where we should be compared to the mini bubbles, if you will, uh, back in 80, 83, and 89, where there was virtually just small, small degrees. So we, we haven't even calculated them. They, they, were, they were so small. So housing prices got a little high and then the market settled. 15 years ago, the housing prices got a really high and then they crashed. Today, we're more than a little, but not drastically high. So could we go down? Yes, but the likelihood is small. And, and I know the listeners would be interested in trying to put a number on that. And it's hard to do, but based on a lot of experience in working in this area for years and years, I would tell you that I'm guessing one in five chance that we see a downturn Then the in terms of prices. And then the question is, well, how much? And well, it won't be anything like it was a decade and a half ago where prices fell to 50% below. They were selling at a discount, an average discount of 50% below where they should have been. That will not happen. What's most likely to happen, in my opinion, my belief, is that we'll see flat prices for some number of years. That's very close to what happened in 1989 where we saw housing prices go flat for roughly six years, virtually no change, very, very small change. And I think that's most likely what we're in for now. Now, you're recommending that more Florida consumers put off buying a home and instead rent. Why is that? So there's three things you could do. You could rent and spend the money that you would have spent on ownership on consumption, spend it on beer and cookies. You could rent and reinvest that money that you would have spent on home ownership 
and invested in a portfolio of stocks and bonds, or you could own and build equity. Which one of those three tenures, if you will, how, how you live, where you live, which one of those three will provide on average greater wealth? Number one is not in the option set. It's not, it's not something that's going to create wealth. It's, you're going to lose out. If you rent and do not reinvest, that's the wrong way to go. If you're looking at renting and reinvesting monies that you would otherwise spend on ownership, renting the similar property, not that it's not a dissimilar property, but rent a similar property and invest that money that you would otherwise spend on home ownership in a portfolio of stocks and bonds or own and build equity, which way creates more wealth? In most of Florida right now, renting and reinvesting wins but only by a little bit. We do regular research on this and we have a buy versus rent, the Braha Hardman Johnson buy versus rent index that we report quarterly for 23 cities around the country and we do Southeast Florida. So in particular, when we look at Southeast Florida right now, the the Metro Miami, this three county area here is a rent friendly city, meaning on average, you would be better off to rent and reinvest in a portfolio of stocks and bonds and you would, on average, create more long-term wealth for you than if you owned and built equity, right? now. But you've got to have that discipline to make that reinvestment every month. Hey, I would have spent, on average, this month so, this much on maintenance, this much on taxes, insurance, et cetera. I put my down payment into the investment. So renting and reinvesting actually wins in Southeast Florida. That's not true all over the country, and it's not necessarily true all over Florida, but the results are very similar. There's a winner of that race every time, renting and reinvesting versus ownership and building equity in terms of wealth creation. But that winner doesn't win by that much. Both create significant wealth, if you will. So right now, people are saying, oh, I've got to buy, I've got to buy. And several of us, in particular, I'm, I'm encouraging you uh, to consider uh, as a potential buyer, why don't you think about renting and reinvesting? You're going to, even if you lose to ownership and, and building equity, it won't be by much. So what does all that do for pricing if more people will start to consider the rent and reinvest option as opposed solely to the, the, the own and build equity? Now we have fewer people bidding up prices over a scarce number of properties. We will slow the property appreciation. It is artificially high right now. It's pretty noticeably above the trend, not at record levels again, but it's pretty notice, noticeably above the premium is. On average, the premium is it's noticeable. It's, 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 and it's artificial to some extent. So we would love to see, I think it's good for the economy, good for the housing markets to have a number of folks considering renting and reinvesting and others will decide, no, I want to go ahead and own and build equity. But that will take a lot of pressure off the demand. It will help settle prices and it will help us avert any potential crisis or limit or mitigate any crisis or mild crisis that we get into. What we don't want to see is prices continually to go up with this mania. I've got to buy. I've got to buy. I've got to buy. I've got to buy. That will stop sooner or later. But we need alternatives for folks and we are encouraging them. I'm encouraging them to consider renting and reinvesting as a real option to owning and building equity and definitely either one of those two over renting and just spending the difference on consumption, spending that difference on beer and cookies. You're, you're not helping your wealth accumulation at all with that, with that last alternative. And so it's simply a matter of taking some of the pressure 
off of the demand for home ownership because there is a viable option. We appreciate your time today, Ken. Thank you.